0: I can't tell you how pleased I am to be here today and uh, how sad I am for the circumstances that make it necessary for me to be here. Uh, I went to my favorite barber this week and he said, I had your pastor here yesterday and he said I fixed him. <laughs> and I said, "Well, that's why I'm here, it's to be fixed." And he was quiet for a while. And finally he said, "No. I don't think you want to be fixed the way he was fixed." Well, I'm here unfixed, (laughs) but I am very glad to be here. And of all things, on Father's Day in a series where the parable of the prodigal comes into view for us today. And the title for the message is The Way of the Father. That was a little bit different for me because all these years, the spotlight has fallen on the prodigal son. We know everything there is to know about the prodigal. This is um, the most familiar, the most well-known, the most studied, the most scrutinized, The most often preached parable in the Bible but the spotlight has always fallen on the Sun now today I want us to take a look at the way of the father and there are a number of surprises here and um, I'm not going to read the parable again, because um, you've heard it so many times, but we're just going to walk barefoot through it. And the first thing that we see, the first surprise, is that the Father never coerces us against our will. Here are the circumstances. The young man is growing up, feeling his oats, tired of the restrictions, knows what he has coming to him, demands his inheritance, Knows better than the father at this point what he needs he thinks now what would you do with that demand I want what I have coming to me well uh, I'm the father of three sons and I know all the answers to that just like you do. Uh, You know, you could say, I'm sorry, but my better judgment tells me that you're not near as ready for this as you think. That's one possible answer. We might talk about um, freedom involving responsibility. We might say to him, now you... Prove that you can handle your freedom, and then we'll talk about your rights. All kinds of answers. But what does the father do? Well, here's where the surprise element comes in. He went against his better judgment, gave the inheritance to his son. He would no longer coerce. He would practice grace. Power gets obedience. But it's love that produces love. You see, one of the problems with parental responsibility is knowing when the, teaching, the teachable moments come along a difficult moment you know standing by and watching our children make some of the same mistakes that we made that's tough learning that one of life's fundamental liberties is the right to be wrong it's tough now that brings us to scene two in the parable And we see that the Father also gives us space. While life teaches us some of the things that we're not going to learn any other way, the Father steps back. The young man in our parable accepts his portion of the inheritance. He runs to the far country the land of the free and the home of the depraved. He squandered his inheritance, inheritance, and living recklessly, spent all of his money, began to feel the pinch of poverty, hired himself out to a local landowner. He got the only job that he probably knew how to do at the time. He he fed pigs. And not a soul came to help. Where are all of his friends? Well, what do you do now? What would you do if this were your child? Most parents, of course, would go down to help him out, bail him out. Uh, The word has filtered back home. It always does. Times are bad, out of money, hungry, slopping hogs, and there's that famine in the land. Now, at this point, the enabler parent would catch the first flight take along a basket of his favorite food, take a credit card, organize a new society to make pig pens better places to work in. (laughs) There's that air conditioning and plumbing and deodorizing that has to be done. This satisfies the parent's conscience See, we, had, we now have uh, canceled checks to prove that we care. Tried to do something. And we have that sneaking suspicion that uh, we may have robbed him of what's called consequential learning. You know, they're the surest and quickest way to raise a fool is to take away the consequences of irresponsible behavior. Because sometimes the only thing you can do is wait, which this father does, by the way. This is our second surprise. He granted the boy's request, watched him leave, and then waited for the world to teach him what his father's love had failed to convey now there's no evidence of panic on the part of the father he's not going to run down to him and climb into the pig pen in some great gesture of togetherness he just waits You see, some prodigals come to their senses and others don't. But I made a list of the lessons we learn in pig pens. We learn where inheritance comes from. Uh, We learn the price of irresponsible behavior. We um, learn what the Father's house was really like after all. And we learn that no one in the far country loves us like we think we deserve to be loved. And that brings us to scene three in this parable. And... uh, What we discover is that the father knows how to properly celebrate a homecoming. Here are the surprising circumstances. The scripture says the prodigal comes to his senses. That's what we've been waiting for, isn't it? And so he says, uh, you know, I must be some kind of nut. The hired help at home have it better than I have it here. I'll go back and tell him I'm sorry. I really goofed this one. And I want to work my way back into my father's favor. Well, how's the father going to respond to that? And what would you do? You look down the road and you see him coming home after what he's done. Now, I know the typical reaction, natural reaction. Somewhere along in here is an, I told you so. Um, Or maybe now you have learned your lesson. Or um, It's going to take a while to work your way back into your old place. There are a lot of different ways for fathers to respond at a time like this. I was reading the last few weeks the parable of the mill of and the floss by George Eliot. And there's an episode in that book between Maggie, a 20-year-old, and her self-righteous brother, Tom. Maggie has been in her far country, and she's coming home. She's innocent of the charges that her self-righteous brother makes, but that doesn't matter to him. And I want you to listen to his response when Maggie came home. He said, "Um, you will find no home with me. You have disgraced us all. You have disgraced your father's house. I wash my hands of you forever. You don't belong to me. That's one response to the returning prodigal. I told you so. I gave you the money against my better judgment. But this is surprise number three, and that is the way the father actually responded. The scripture says he looked down the road and saw him, had compassion, ran and threw his arms around him and kissed him. He called the servants. Bring the best robe and the ring for his hand and shoes for his feet and the fatted calf and kill it. Let's eat and be merry. Let the party begin. My son was lost and is found. He was dead and he's alive. This is the response of the father. a chaplain in a jail system in New York was trying to get his prison inmates to understand the parables and they were having all kinds of problems. So he decided that the way they would learn it would be to write it for themselves and so he had them write the parables. And then he wrote a book called uh, god is for real man and it's the parables that these inmates prison inmates wrote you know what they called the parable of the prodigal son throw in a party for junior well that's what we have going on here and frankly we have trouble with this response Why? Well, the prodigal doesn't get what he deserved. Um, Rather, he gets what he needs. Now, there's a good word for that all through the New Testament. It's the word grace. It's God giving us what we need and not what we deserve. Now, grace parties bother us. One of those parties where anybody is welcome, not because they've earned the right, but because it's a gift. This idea is difficult for us. You see, what if God chooses to be generous on his own terms and not ours? Well, we're about to see what that means. That brings us to scene four. And we find that the Father also loves those who stay at home and do the right things. Isn't that wonderful? We would like for the parable to end there, but it doesn't. You see, the father loves the prodigal who stayed at home too. So meanwhile, back at the ranch, the older brother is working in the fields late in the day. He always does. He has stayed at home and worked hard all of his life and been a dutiful son and he's been obedient. And so he's not in any mood to celebrate the coming home of his younger brother. Old resentments well up. And um, here is an unblessed son in his father's house. Oh, he had witnessed his younger brother's rebellion. He had seen what the younger brother did to his parents and how he had shattered his peaceful home. Now, how will he respond to the party? Well, he's furious. He refuses to go in. You see, older brothers do not make good celebrants, they never learn to dance. They have done all the right things for all the wrong reasons. They have remained at home, a prodigal, in the Father's house. But what what will the Father do with him? Well, he could be furious too, you know. He could go out to him and say, uh, you know, can't you see what's going on here? There's good reason for us to be celebrating. Can't you see how ungrateful and inappropriate your behavior is? Can't you see what a self-righteous, unforgiving prig you are? Now we come to surprise number four. And that is, the father says, I love you both. Can't you find it in your heart to forgive your brother? Can't you see that the party is for you as well? Philip Yancey wrote a book entitled, What's So Amazing About Grace? And his point is this, sometimes we miss the greatest example of the grace of God. He loves both prodigals. That's what we've missed. He says, my son, you and I have been together all these years. Everything that I have is yours. We thought your brother was dead, and he's not. We thought he was lost, and he's found. Can't you see? This is my party. It's a grace party. I'm the one celebrating, the Father says. Why don't you come in and celebrate with us? Rejoice with us. That's the biggest surprise of all. For all practical purposes, the parable ends there. That's surprise number five. Um, we write the end ourselves. because we have to determine how we're going to respond to the very same situations. Are we going to be forgiving? Are we going to be accepting? Are we going to be able to celebrate? You see, we have all sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. Whether we went to the far country or whether we stayed at home, we have sinned. We are all in need of God's grace. We've all wasted our inheritance to some degree. What I want you to remember is that God loves us all. And we're going to close this service in the traditional way. There may be some here who would like to respond in some way to the Father who loves and cares and wants what is best. And if you would like to become a part of the fellowship of this church, we would want you to feel free to do that. If you would like to Rededicate your life to the Father if you'd like to come to confess faith and be baptized. The invitation is open. The pastor will be standing here in front to receive you. Let's turn to him, 309 and let's stand together as we sing.